Happy Monday! Today, our National Committeeman and Iraq veteran James Hebe talks with Sergeant Ricardo Ramirez about President Biden's decision to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan and the Taliban now quickly taking over the country. Sergeant Ramirez served in Task Force Trinity and was also part of the response team when the U.S. Navy SEALs were being shot down in Afghanistan. The response team's actions were turned into a 2013 movie based on the book with the same title, Lone Survivor. I hope you enjoy their conversation. Hello, everybody. Hey, Thanks for joining Hi. us tonight. But uh, tonight we have uh, Ricky Ramirez uh, with us. He's a, a Marine Corps uh, war veteran, served with, uh, well, I know him uh, as far as uh, serving with 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. Uh, we served together in Iraq. But uh, Ricky uh, Ramirez, oh, I know him as, as Ramirez for us uh, in the Corps. But uh, yeah, he served a couple tours in Afghanistan that has experiences that I didn't encounter. And so, uh, yeah, we brought him on today to uh, basically see, uh, see how his perspective is on what's going in Afghanistan right now and what he knows about the Afghan people and the Afghan culture. So I don't know, is there anything you'd like to uh, say about your service uh, or where you right. serve possibly? Uh, oh, first off, I want to say, hey, brother, good seeing you. Yeah, you too. Like 15 years. Um, <laughs> Everybody else that's listening that normally uh, that has served with me or you know they have served. Um, my respects and love to all of you guys. Um, yeah, man. As as far as that Afghanistan, you know, when the war started, you know, I was already in the Marine Corps when you know towers went down and all that. Um, the entire global war on terrorism was was weird. Yeah. You know, there was more things going on, units getting sent to some places because not everybody got sent to Afghanistan right away. You know, people got sent to fight in Philippines and the other islands, uh, Indonesia, Burma, Africa, you know, anywhere where it was like any type of, you know, I can say there's um, terrorism groups. They just put troops out there, you know, it was kind of... Um, you didn't know exactly where you where we were going as far as combat tours. And yeah, I know I'll say Philippines and a lot of guys will be like Philippines. And then you have, you know, it's like because everybody knows about like a town exercise and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, there was some things going on in the other islands that, you know, Marines got to operate and stuff like that. So by the time I reached Afghanistan, which was uh, when I started training for it, it was coming from another mission. So we landed in 2004. Uh, I think it was like October something. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was like October something. Third Battalion, Six Marines was on the ground. Um, they had done a great job. If, if you want to put it like this, three six was kind of like the hammer. Like they blast through, you know, where we were going through, and we were gonna set the, you know, base frame from where they left off, and we were gonna push forward or held whatever it was. And, um, but the thing was that uh, three, six, and there were at the time when we landed, uh, I, the only battalion that I remember was three, six was there, but, uh, according to what I know, I think eighth Marine, somebody from eighth Marines was there. Um, not too sure. You know what I'm saying? It was still yeah. kind of like, um, 
But by the time we started in our, you know, what well, didn't we call that a left seat, right seat thing, right? You know, by the time all that left off, third battalion, third Marines, they didn't even have no Marine Corps support. There was no more Marines over there. We were the only battalion of Marines in Afghanistan. Yeah. No air wing, no, no nothing. It was just us and the army and, you know, what's it called? Um, Allied forces and stuff like that. Air Force and probably some Navy personnel here and there. <laughs> Excuse me. So first interaction, like I was operating um, out of Coast Providence, which is like uh, 150 miles from Kabul. Yeah. You know, everybody that got, that got in, let's say after 2001, 2002, it was more like uh, the forces that were pushing, pushing further out the, the Taliban and or holding the ground so they couldn't come in and do some blocking areas or whatnot and uh so by the time i come in we, we were still kind of holding off because also in that area of coast which was uh the where we were the the main the main company was at the main battalion with holding up it was um was lowered to the mountains but we weren't far from Kabul, we, you know, we, we could get anywhere. So one of the units was in Gardez. Um, Gardez is, you know, um, was high up in the mountains. So we hated going over there because it was cold as hell. Fucking snow everywhere, like even in the summer. <laughs> you know, I'm Puerto Rican, bro. I, <laughs> I like it sunny. Um, so it was cold over um I left out, it was cold over there. Then you had the other guys that was... um. A band. Um, there was a uh, Kandahar, little contingencies in Kandahar, and some were like a little bit out north, no other bases and whatnot. So pretty much for the first and for the first start of the of our combat tour, it was fairly quiet. Yeah. It was things going on, but it was fairly quiet because you know that rhythm of like they 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 want to study the. They want to study the new troops coming in and also the passages. Um, that was a very important thing. The passages, how to get from base to base, usually it's like between all this crazy mountains and, yeah. and, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the TV. It's like, well, I, it's like, I, you look I, down. Yeah. I've, I've heard in Afghanistan, there's a snowy season and the fighting season. Is that a, is that what you're describing? Yeah, that, that is correct. Yeah, that that is um. So they and during that snowy season, it's kind of like uh they probe, kind of to see what's going on. You know, it's kind of crazy. Like a lot of the pictures that we see the the Army National Guard CH forty seven, like landing in top of a uh, uh you know like in a house like the the back um the back end. Yeah, that is literally um uh, uh that was um. If I'm not mistaken, that was us doing operations with India Company from 3-3. And it was like, that's how you end up, you get air or evacuations or insertions and extraction. You know, you have to get really good on the radio telling this guy how to put, you know, how to drop down or whatever. And the helicopter will be flying. They just drop the ramp and you, yeah. you just go. So, you know, I, I know they pass around that picture a lot, but it's like, look, you know. Okay. So um, when we, when we looking at, how the people was my first interactions with the people they were scared 
I guess in a way they kind of knew that we were a new unit and probably probably that aggressive style when you first get there, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, it's kind of intimidating. Before the the complete of the lock of the you know the snowy season, they locked up all everything. So we started interacting more with the uh, thing we used to call it Mola meetings where we meet the the village elders and stuff like that, you know. Um, people were actually, they were helping us out. Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, it, it, I guess somewhere down the line, we toned it down and we were not like, okay, we, it, it was kind of like the hearts and mind, but we wanted to fight, but we also was kind of like in a, in a slow tone. And I remember this people didn't want the, the Taliban or didn't want the, the, what's it called, Qaeda. So they actually didn't help us a lot. They were helping us a lot. They, like, out of nowhere, they, they'll give us cachets, you know, like, hey, there's yeah. a cachet over here. And so, like I said, it was, like, barely no fighting through that first, se- you know, that first half of the season. It was kind of a sporadic things here and there, but not, like, how we will say in the movie that everything is blowing up and Star Wars is, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know. But um, the people were, like, they were really working with us. Really, 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 really working with us. They were, um, they would give us the cachets. They would tell us what possible Taliban were or uh, Al Qaeda guys, um, or if any type of um, kind of like, I don't know, situation that could have been, you know, handled by the Marines or, or you know, prior to the army. A lot of things we 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 caught it and we would like send it to the Afghan troops, Afghan police, because it was more pretending to their side of the job. Yeah. So it was really good to that part. Yeah. And then and, the and and you're uh, right now you're talking about two th- your 2004 2005 deployment. If I, am, am I correct? Because I know you deployed to Afghanistan multiple times, right? Yeah. We still in 2004. Yeah. Yes. So this this is my first time touching the deck and um. When we when 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 we talking about that first half, you know that I think it was like a, almost a nine month deployment or something like that. It, we we stayed there forever. Um, so we talk when we getting into that situation that the snow is clearing, everything's whatever. That's when the big operation started. So now you know, now we do have people. So all that intel that we collected, the people that helped us or the we arrested or you know we kind of we never stopped through the through the snow season so we pretty much had them pinned down so that's where all these missions come in you know red wings is actually a three a third third battalion third marine um mission yeah, and then it's a follow-on so yes red wings was uh it would made famous that operation by the movie uh lone survivor correct that's exactly so the, the thing with when, when we got there, when all the uh, kind of ratings and hitting spots and, you know, try to do blocks and, and whatnot. So now in the ground is um, the Army Rangers, us, uh, one battalion of Marines, um, SF guys, uh, SEALs around, you know, and some other units, you know, give and take. And I think uh, somewhere 25th ID from the Army was there at the beginning and towards the end 82nd. 
but you know, mainly the the rating and hitting spots or whatever, or doing blocks or whatever it was. Was when the uh, when they started creating the situation that um, conventional units being more part of or kind of doing more joint ops, you know. In a way, we supported them. They supported us uh, at command level. There was more intel going on between between you know the SOCOM command and and this command because before that it was like everybody just. You know, nobody will talk to nobody and everybody just go through whatever. And I think one once we there was supposed to be like a Taliban camp or something like that in top of the hills. And we just hiked forever. You know, I probably had the biggest legging ass back then, you know, <laughs> hiking all them hills. And uh, by the time we, we got there to hit, the, the place was already hit. It was literally destroyed. You know, like, yeah. fuck, you know walk for days you know so the the rangers had hit it like a week before so you know and sometimes they'll try to hit something that we already had hit you got no sense so there was no communication so thermarine thermotown thermarines were the first ones to create that link or that lost link that put everything together that worked out to also to missions like you know red wing and stuff like that but red wing was one of those missions that we all supported each other whatnot so the people, I guess, you know, they had toned it down with us also because we were fighting at this point, but also, I guess, this, the style of fighting of how Thermotown Thermarines fight. Um, okay. We were not as head on as 3-5, you know, that to me, it was kind of a culture shock. If you, if you remember, he's yeah. like, you know, you guys were more like, you know, not that you guys didn't know tactics, and I'll be talking shit if I say something like that. Definitely, that's not what I mean. Guys, don't feel insulted. What I mean is, that, exactly. What what I mean, for example, it was more. There be times them range. You know, I didn't see a tank until I got to three five or heavy armor or stuff like that. So we were more like move into angles, fight in different positions. You know, hold hold this line from here move back, get them at another angle. Um, you know, we, we didn't like fighting head on, like kind of, kind of, uh, you know, first Marine, second Marine division did their things. Yeah. So, so one quick question. So, yeah, uh, give me a second. Bro. So before right. I lose that, because of that, it was situations that we did so many operations and we didn't fire a shot. We all cashed the Taliban asleep asleep and they were surrendered you know they like man i've been here like two months kicking doors and whatever we catching this guy's and i haven't even pressed the trigger you know in this past two months so it was kind of the style that three three had at the time so anyways there you go what's your question yeah so uh during that time in uh afghanistan were you guys mainly fighting uh al-qaeda or the taliban or was it you know just locals or now, who was well, the other at that point? All right. Um, let's start with, with the locals. With the locals, we didn't have too much problem with the locals except one thing that we noticed during that time that sometimes the locals will kind of create a situation and say, like, hey, this guy from this village, you know, this where the Taliban is hiding. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, 
we end up attacking that place without, you know, further intel trusting the people. And then we just find out that this guy just wanted this guy to die or to be taken or arrested. And, uh, you know, so they can take the land or they were cousins or whatever, and they didn't like each other. There were a lot of situations like that that was happening. So we had us back up and be like, okay, they have personal disputes that they want us to fight them. And they just lie. Some people are lying to us just to be able to get that situation. So that was the first problem that we had with the, with the local population and decipher what was actually, you know, good and bad from there. As far as the, um, the Taliban, you know, there were, there were a lot of the kind of, I mean, to put it in, in our terms, probably will be like scouts or whatnot that will try to hit us in ambushes, hit us and run, you know, or try to observe or, um, or come in and this happened through the entire time, even through the snow season, uh, rockets coming in. Like, it, it was rocket era. I think uh, my first combat engagement, it, it was, I think I lost count after, like, 50-something rockets. They didn't hit shit. They didn't hit nothing around us. Um, I was uh, yeah. in coast. Um, they didn't hit nothing. But, you know, it's like kind of first time you're in combat and rockets are coming in. You're like, hear that alarm. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Can't shoot rockets, you know. But uh, that was my first combat action, you know, rockets coming in. And I don't even know. They didn't give us combat actions for that because they didn't hit shit. You know, and that was the first combat, whatever. Then in one occasion, we had like 97 rockets coming in. That one hit base and we were pissed because it blew the CP and the phone center <laughs> everything else but uh that's another story um the um, then what we kind of encounter it was you know the, the kind of the, the harassment part of them and the placing of ieds and you know counting that already afghanistan i think it was considered the third mine country in the world after the russian world war yeah <clears throat> and this situation uh they're now they're placing ieds and uh, I think it was the what was the Italian ones, Italian mines that were like triple stack them and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, triple stack. I, I forgot what they were. Mines. Yeah, so they, they were pretty evil with their shit, you know. Um, then at one point we started getting the Chechnyans. Could you say that again? The Chechnyans. Yeah. That's usually a nice group to, you know, to know that they are around because, you know, you can fight, you know, ah, okay, you got these fuckers. But um, the, the thing was that the locals mainly didn't, didn't fight us. You know, it wasn't like the same situation that 3-5 encounter in, in, uh, in Sangi when they, la- when they landed in Sangi. They, it was not the same situation. Um, it was kind of, um, we were like kind of fighting a specific groups. And yeah. people would just stay out of the way completely. Problem was that, you know, we didn't have enough troops because at the time also a lot of troops are getting pulled to Iraq. Yeah. Because Iraq is, is being completely unstable, whatnot. And at this point, it's like, okay, whoever's here needs to handle kind of like Afghanistan. So it's not like a, it wasn't no longer like a, a pinpoint AO, you know what I'm saying, situation that you'd be like, hey, um, I'm here. 
and I'll only operate in, in this part of town. You know, for us, it was like today we're operating in, in Coast, for example, and next week we're in Kabul. Or, you know, yeah. or a month later, we're in, in Kandahar, and then we're back to ABAT. Or, and it didn't help that I was in this um, experimental platoon that Thermarine had. It was, uh, they used to call it LICAT. I was leaving state platoon before, the, uh, before that deployment. And, uh, and I wasn't going to deploy until a friend of mine got killed in Iraq. And the next deployment I can jump in to fight this motherfucker was, you know, let's go to Afghanistan. And uh, I ended up in this platoon called LICAT, which is, uh, it was form of people that pretty much knew a lot of scouting. So it was a lot of recon drive. You say light cab, is that like light cavalry? So. No, no, because you um, you have a um, cat, which is a combined anti-armor platoon, right? All right. Uh, combined anti-armor team, whatever, right? But like cat, so you had like heavy guns on it. You had the guy uh, on cat, you had the heavy guns, you know, like, Mark 19, fucking Toes, um, <clears throat> Mark Deuce, you know, 50 cows, pretty much, you know. So you had a, a heavier, yeah. so it was more like a convoy vehicle war. So the, so the, for the civilians here, Mark 19 is a fully automatic grenade launcher. A tow missile is a, uh, it's a wire uh, guided missile that you actually steer into the target. And then, uh, you know, he was probably going to get to the, the Ma Deuce or the 50 cal. And, uh, yeah, so those are those are some heavy guns that they were rolling around with. Yeah. So LCAP was more, it was like pretty much everybody in that platoon or the majority of the people in that platoon was recon drops, guys that came from Fast Company, um, guys well, that security were... Security forces, right? Well, no, security Fast forces secure. got... Yeah, yeah the, the security forces most likely got sent to like uh, actual line companies, but the yeah. fast company guys, either a lot of them end up in state platoon and a lot of them end up with us because the, the motion was to us do scouting and the, the main way to to move around was vehicles. So we will have to like find the roads where the, you know, where the companies went, sometimes they'll drive us in. And they would, they, would, they would drop the actual scouts, which I was one of the actual scouts, you know, and I would walk for, I don't know, 12 hours, six hours, a day or two days with my team and find, hey, this is the village, you know, take pictures of it, you know, saying, hey, put it on the map, like old school, you know, <laughs> yeah. like draw the, 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 the draw everything, you yeah. know, uh, paranormal. I forgot how to say it. So draw the, you know, do the whole reconnaissance or the scouting, get back to the, to the cat team, not to the El Cat team that was going to pick us up. Sometimes it was picking up the sniper platoon guys or picking up whatever. So, you know, that, that was mainly what I did. A lot, what I did, it was just a lot of scouting. And, you know, then when, we, when the battalion was together to do things, it was like, okay, let's go. Hey, so we end up being everywhere. The most scariest place to me, it was this place a lot of people don't know this. There is a border of, of Afghanistan and China. It's Pakistan or Turkestan. I think, yeah, Turkestan and China. We used to call that place Hellscape. Did a couple of couple of operations over there. Mainly the Green Berets were in that area. And there was, you had the, like, Muslim Chinese people that try to cross in, cross in and fight. Yeah. So... That's uh, you, that was known as the hot gates, right? Or 
Yeah, we used to call it Hell's Gate, but yeah, you know, I guess some other people. I remember, I remember talking to somebody I don't know years ago, and they said, "Oh, Hot's Gate." I'm like, I looked at him because I thought that he was lying to me. You know how we are like the stolen valor thing. You're like, I'm like, no, we didn't call that. You know what's yeah. going on? But I guess you know the term changed through the years or whatever, whatever unit was there, and calling the Hot Gates. I guess they wanted. To, sound like spartans you know yeah yeah 300 was real popular around that time i believe yeah so you know it was it was a different timing of like kind of we were fighting all the time you know there was a situation that bro we were gonna our cat our light cat team was gonna literally freeze we were i don't know how they saw us but you know nowadays in combat you cannot you're probably going to be compromised real quick, you know? And uh, this village that we were observing, um, they came out. So, you know, defensive mode, we, we are about to fight. You're like, no, you know, they came out in peace. And this people took us in to their, to, you know, to their village or whatever. And yeah, we had our weapons on us and, and kind of like we're, you know, doing our own protection but um what was that word haram it was haram this word that you know if they bring you to to your house you know you're a guest in the house and they have to take care of you whatever and this and through the, the entire night like it was no fighting no nothing at all you know we were observing that house and it, it just a snowstorm how about to head us in and they took us in yeah. you know they fed us all kinds of stuff he you know and when we come out to know, we were actually looking at the wrong house. Yeah. And, you know, let's say that snowstorm didn't happen, we probably would have hit the wrong people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, yeah, hard. I know I remember in Iraq that a lot of the time, the, you know, there was a, a lot of people that just wanted to live their lives and were born in the wrong place. And so it's, uh, that's what, yeah, well, I guess why we're here today is because, uh, just kind of bring some of our experiences to light because, uh, there's a lot of people that, yeah, just, I don't know. It's just a story in a far off land to them and they don't, uh, yeah, they can't ever relate, but uh, yeah, because most likely a lot of the people when they start talking about our experience in the war, you know, we're talking about Iraq or Afghanistan, they want to talk about the Rambo aspect of it, you know, the the fighting aspect of it, and look cool, you know, to the people they talking about. It. Usually, those people didn't fire a single shot, you know in combat and probably didn't even broke the gate, how we like to say it. But, um, you know, there was another aspect of the war that was a realistic in the humanity of it, you know? Yeah. Because I joined the Marine Corps and I'm sort of a, an idealist. You know, it's like, I really believe on what I'm doing or, or what I was set to do, you know? Um, because to me, being a, being a Marine, and what's going on is being that person, you know, that warrior that is like, you're always here to protect people, carry on the mission and do the best you can, you know, don't leave nobody behind, you know, 
the everything you want to think about on under honor, courage, and commitment. You know, I wasn't a perfect sergeant, and I wasn't the bad, the worst sergeant either. Either, you know, what I'm saying it's like and I had my ups and downs. But you know, it's when I look at the my time during the core and the time at combat, I didn't just see the combat side of it. You know, I saw the, the humanity side of it. You know, they, it was kind of like very fulfilling to see that, hey, you know what? You know, you can't, I remember going to Kabul at night and you can't even hear a fucking shot. Yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't even hear a shot, you know, Kandahar, whatever. It was literally it was kind of safe for a while. Well, I, I want to say peace, but it was fairly safe, you know? Yeah. Still, we'd still say the A and uh, the Afghan forces still need a lot of work. Yeah, but it was fairly, it was fairly, you know, not a lot going on towards them. Um, and like I said, the 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 people usually, uh, excuse me, I remember the Metcap, Metcaps was the one things that really that we did a lot. I don't know if a lot of units did those. And I don't know whose idea was, or I don't even know if that is technically a situation that the Marine Corps got engaged the entire time, you know, and and doing. But I remember the briefings through, I think it was uh, 2005, you know, before, you know, Red Wings, the, the, the main mission for a while was Metcalf. And then Metcalf was like a joint op between, uh, let's say, us, the Rangers, for example, or the or anybody from the Army or SF. And the thing is that since we didn't have that much personnel, them either, whatever, we all got together and we will provide protection to all this medical personnel. Um, let's say, you know, all the medics that were around or whatever, we will set up a perimeter and whatnot. And uh, they will, we will, you know, there will be a security watching over the, the medics and checking the, the people coming in and uh, for them to get medical treatment. You know, sometimes it was. So, uh, so at the time, it sounds, sounds like a, uh, you guys did a lot of uh, humanitarian work and you were fairly well recepted by the uh, common people. If I'm. Yeah, it, that right. it, there was at one point, um, at one point I was uh, like, we've seen combat. Without a doubt, we every everybody got to solve the share of combat, you know, either heavy or mid or low. Everybody had got their share of it. But at one point, I remember I think I was in the CLC, and they were trying to debate if we were even rating a combat action ribbon, or if they can give us a combat action ribbon for whatever we had, and also give us a humanitarian. Because what you just said, it was, yeah. we did a lot of humanitarian and, you know, we helped build schools, we helped protect while, you know, engineers did their things, Afghan, Afghan people will come and help. It was, it looked like we had a real good progress. Mm. You know, it was kind of in the day we come and help this guys at night, we switch with the other guys or whatever, we push and hold up the, the, the ground where we were at or, um, you know, try to push everybody south of, you know, south of the border to Pakistan because that's usually where they ran into right now to my back. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, like like I said, and still the people were still helping us. Like, we thought that we were having some heavy missions, 
that we were going to get into. I think one, one that I, that I recall that we probably had everybody surrounded. It, it was, um, I think it was the Spurs. And that link I sent you, if I'm not, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, it's the Spurs. And, oh yeah, so all the third Marine division for that, for that tip for that time frame are named after sports teams. Hmm. Everything is named after sports teams, except for one. Uh, and the name does not is not the actual name of the mission. I'll tell you that one later. The so the Spurs, because Celtics was towards the end, the Spurs was um was a mission that we thought we were gonna one of those missions that we thought he was like, oh shit. We're about, to, we're about to get on this one. Everybody's getting mentally, you know, ready and whatnot. And we had a lot of support from the locals. You know, PSYOPs had gone there. and They had, uh, you know, done the thing. Army PSYOPs. It wasn't our PSYOPs. So, you know, first billions, that's psychological operations. So we're we about to go in and to start hitting the place at night. And somewhere around zero dark 30, when we started hitting in, this guy's just literally had dropped their weapons and had surrendered. The few that there were, the couple of platoons, couple on the other side, and my side of where I was going to go into, nothing. So that mission turned to be a heavy combat. And so them turning in all their weapons, all their caches, everything, in exchange, we gave them a lot of medical support and a lot of other things. And like, like help, you know, build their, you know, we called up the engineers and help up build the water wells and everything. So it the mission turned to, we're about to go over there and alleviate the place. So, oh, we're about to help the people right now. So... During my time frame, it was a lot of that going on. It's like probably they were not Taliban in a way, but they were, you know, kind of between that that edge of here or no. And that's where a lot of people come into the the, the thinking is like we don't know who to trust because we'll help yeah. them today, tonight they shoot at us. <clears throat> they didn't even shoot at, shot at us at night. And it come it's almost like they become our allies because I guess three weeks later they try to hit us while we were still down and they they handled it. Yeah. You know, it was like, what the you know, so they were what I did find out about them, they were pretty loyal people. Yeah. You know. You know, they, I know some guys have some bad experience or whatnot. But you know, yeah, I think if they, if a Taliban was able to infiltrate, let's say, for example, the ANF, he wasn't going to be loyal to the U.S. You know, forces. He was still loyal to the Taliban and whatever his cause with until he completed his mission, which usually they died during the mission. Yeah. So the Afghan National Forces, they sometimes had spies, and those were the not the same as the people fighting for their country, right? Oh, so. well, you know. One thing we can always look at is like in the eyes of the warrior, we all we all believe in what we're fighting for, right? We we're fighting for 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 our country and we're fighting to help the people of Afghanistan, you know. 
in eyes of the Taliban, they're, they, they feel, um, they feel like they're fighting for their country too. Yeah. So we have two, two different ideals of why, why, why are we doing things? And that's where our clash starts, yeah. you know, and, and that's the, that's the reality of, of, you know, the saying that the human way of, of putting things together, because I can say on here, fuck them, you know, saying, but the reality is the warriors always are the same, no matter where, you know, where you are, we have an ideal why we do things and we're going to follow it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. But so, yeah. So, yeah, I guess uh, you were you were in Afghanistan and know lots of other Afghan vets that were there later after, say, uh, what, 2011, roughly. Did, was yes. the mood change over time? Uh, did they? It was it was like a wow. There was still a little bit of what I saw earlier, and you know, in that first appointment back in, you know, saying back two thousand and four. Um, four. <clears throat> um, but by the time I got there, you know, I didn't deploy with three five. Um, yeah, I got, we know that. You know, I got. It, yeah. it, it was a really sad time for me, you know, because I, I didn't get to go with the boys out. Um, don't yeah. really want to get into that, you know, all that right. happened. That yeah, for those for those that aren't familiar, uh, the three five is the unit that uh, Ramirez and I served with, and they later on went to Sangen in Afghanistan, and uh, there was uh, some of the yeah some bad fighting and a lot of a lot of wounded Marines and KIA's, and uh, so we all lost some friends over there at that time, but they. I know uh, not all not all parts of the country were as unstable as, say, Sangin, for instance. So that's, I believe, at the time that was where the Taliban stronghold resided. If I'm, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yes. Uh, that is pretty much the um, where they were pretty much really or the last line because uh, I think before that one five have gone to <clears throat> hell. I forgot the name. Marja. And the story of, of this situation starts with Marja. You know, the Sangin thing starts with Marja. At the time I was working in division schools and I had told some of the guys that were getting linked up to one fire days, hit me up and were like, hey, remember, so how do you, how are we supposed to fight? I'm not telling him, look, do not fight like a Marine. Don't move like a Marine. Don't think like a Marine. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, look, Nine times out of 10, these guys are going to try to fire at you so you can go towards them and you're going to be caught up in some type of ambush that then it's going to be hell for you to get out. Like, these are not the type of warrior that you had in, in, in Iraq that will fire and, and run away and drop their weapon. For the most part, these guys will stay and fight because that's the experience I had. I tell them, like, look, sometimes you're just going to have to fight from where you're at. Um, I didn't know what was the ID situation at the time or whatever. So that's the same things I told the guys in, in, in 3-5. So March just happened, they, you know, and everybody ran into, into Sangin. I believe the Royal Royal Marines were, were there first, but they were getting some heavy losses by the time 3-5 got there. <clears throat> and 3-5. And, and Canada, Canada, Canada pulled out shortly before 3-5 went into, I believe. 
So, but uh, and and uh, that's down towards the Pakistan border, or more closer to the Pakistan border, if I remember correctly, isn't it? Yes, it's pretty low to you know almost at the edge. Then back then we had operations like, for example, Corongo Valley and stuff like that. There were really bad areas that we went into, and there was heavy fighting. But as far as the Sangin situation, everything starts in March. And um, 3-5 was the hammer, if you want to look at it. They were the guys that kind of did that stronghold, you know, they took that ground with their lives, with their souls, you know, with everything they had. Because it was not the style of fighting that they were accustomed to, you know, because what I meant about fighting like a Marine, you know, since we're in SOI or whatever, we hear, like, oh, you know, go push forward, push forward, push forward. You can't do that when these people are really experts in ambushing and setting up IEDs and setting up this. So I remember having a lot of discussions with business command because my squad at the time before, our, you know, before uh, some situation happened that I couldn't deploy, um, I used to teach them like that. They tell me, look, no, you're hesitating. I'm like, I am looking at my, you know, looking at my ground. I'm looking in training. I'm like, I'm looking at my ground, looking what is the best way to fight them without going in, you know, completely without. So they didn't like that too much because 3-5 is a very aggressive unit and very good aggressive unit. You know, it's like, I feel sorry for whoever has to fight 3-5 head on. No way around it. Get some. It's, it's no way around it. It's just kinetic straight fighting. You know, 3-5 is literally the best on that. Um, First Marine Division is also pretty much known for fighting like that. So it, I, I feel sorry for whoever has to fight them like that. You know, it's like, oh, the problem was this, this was not the style of fighting that they were, you know, accustomed to. Yeah. And... First day of battle, I guess, just rushing towards the enemy, you know, our brothers started hitting IEDs. Um, or they'll fire, they, these guys will, will set up, uh, um, will fire from a different position. And uh, they know that the Marines were going to go to this next, you know, like a movement for cover to cover. And the ID will be in the cover position. Or they, or they knew the Marines were going to run to. And... Um, that was the problem that 35 was having until they adjusted and they were like, okay, we can't do this no more. We got to fight like this. Still, they managed to figure out a way to, you know, adjust it to be able to still be able to get it to the enemy. You know, like, okay, we're going to fight from here, but little by little, we're going to make progress and move towards them. And by the time one five got there, I felt that I was in the same situation that, that I was when I got there to Afghanistan the first time with 3-3. We are now, you know, now we got to go with 3-5 dead and finish fucking this guy's up. That's all it is. You know, it's like, now we're going to completely restrain the, the enemy, cut, you know, cut them completely, you know, blah, blah, and just really finish this shit. We did that pretty well, of course. You know, Sangin was technically secured. <coughs> technically secured. The people was also helping out. Um, there was not too much fighting. So I guess the next unit that replaced us was 2-5. And they moved 
north from us. I forgot what town it was. And uh, from there, you know, they had their operations, but it looked like everything surrounding that um, Sangin, you know, was the Taliban was defeated. Yeah. It was either defeated on a run or they couldn't, or they were not able to fight us in the same way that they fought 3 5 or 1 5. They were pretty much done. So, what is the strategy of the one that Afghanistan did? And this is what we were telling the government, you know, it's like, look, they just waiting, they just waiting it out. The yeah. Afghani, the Taliban are just waiting it out. They're about to win Afghanistan without fighting. Because from the army to the Marines, we never lost the battle. You know, I don't think I ever read about, you know, losing a battle, you know what I'm saying, of any source at all. You know, the army did a great job. We did a great job. SOCOM did whatever they did for their, which is cool because they in a lot of movies. So I guess they did a great job. No, no, I just messed around. They did a great job. You know, the allies, some of the allies were really great. Some of them were just there just for show. It's a, that's another reality. So the people was being helpful at this time. By the time I left Afghanistan, I remember going through the bazaar and people was, you know, patrolling to the bazaar. And kids coming up to us, you know, get, you know, getting us food, people just going to the villages and getting um to the to the meetings or whatever. And they were helping us. You know, and what they what what it hurts me about all this thing is that. We said that we were going to wait, that we were going to help build a So, like, we said that our situation was, was, was good to go so we can pull out. So we can, they can handle ourselves because we can't stay in that cancer forever. Everybody knows that. Yeah. We couldn't stay there forever. But the main problem was that it seems that every year or, or every six months or every year or every three months the strategy how we were going to conduct the situation in Afghanistan changed yeah. or even in Iraq we never actually let as far as command or whatever you know and I, I don't mean I don't mean the battalion commanders and maybe the, the, the division generals I mean coming all the way from the government that we don't even see this people the strategy changed all the time. Yeah. So we don't know, you know, what, what was going on half of the time. Because are we here for hearts and mind? Or here with this? Or here for that? Oh, what's going on? Oh, now we're going to move around and we're not going to fight like this. We're going to, you know, we yeah. start seeing situations like that during the presidential of President Obama. There was a lot of changes and we saw the pull of our Iraq, which, you know, you mentioned to <clears throat> earlier. Yeah, that's uh, for you. That And even even though that pull, pull out was way better than this one, it was still a wrong pull. Because Iraq, yes, what I, what I recall hearing from people that, were, that went to Iraq, let's say around, when, when did they pull 2009? 2009? They started, they, they started pulling out like 08, 09, yeah. But ISIS so, uh, what, yeah, took over Fallujah around that time. 
And so I remember Marines telling me that they have been in a deployment and some soldiers that I know from back home, you know, they they tell me, hey, we'll just go out there and PT, you know, around Baghdad and on Fallujah and not even a rock get thrown at us. So it was fairly safe. But the troops were not really, the Afghan troops really was not, no, sorry, Iraqi troops were not really ready to fight. And we mm -hmm. saw what happened. And that pull from, it was a little bit more coordinated, better coordinated. It was a slow pull. And even we saw what happened. That I was one of those guys that can, where can I go contracting so I can take my ass over there right now? Because the emotions were like, ah, you know, like, just, think, just thinking about all our brothers that died, you know, all the men and women that died, that died, that you know, they lot they got injured. You know, I was injured in the accident, but you know, it's like I still went over there and did my thing. You know, what I'm saying I was like, okay, cool, and, and it was a lot of emotions to it, a lot, a lot of emotions. And then seeing this one now, which I think the first one that called me was uh. <clears throat> Yeah. I think it was my father, the first person to call me. Now, sometimes they have a smart way to saying things that kind of piss me off even more, but I know that's not what, what they meant. It's just the way he talked. And I'm remembering my uncles that went to Vietnam and what that, and that feeling of what people tell me they lost the war. They didn't lose a single fucking battle. You know, once again, from the army to the Marines, they didn't lose. You cannot find a single thing in history that none of us lost the battle, you know. <clears throat> and looking at and looking at those, you know, because I grew up watching the Vietnam history things and, you know, talking to my uncles and, and learning about Saigon and the fall of Saigon and how wars are win and lost. And why did they lose in the Vietnam? Which is three things. You win militarily, politically, and socially. Militarily, the United States kicked that fucking ass. Yeah. Politically, we failed. Socially, we failed both ways because socially, we didn't have support from the Vietnam people no more and we didn't have support, definitely we didn't have support from the Americans. We count up to the top to you know our present day Iraq, we fall into the same situation. Militarily, destroyed. Politically, a government can even make a decision between them of the Iraq war. So we lose politically. Social support, Iraq people didn't want the, we didn't want us there no more, apparently. And our our families and our friends are in America wanted us back, wanted that war to end. And they just wanted it done with a quickness. What happens within less than a month, ISIS takes over. This guy's leading your fight, turning all the weapons, jets, tanks. All kinds of shit, you know? Yeah. Then we go into Afghanistan situation, you know, and it's the same thing. We fought a little bit better for the political situation, but at the end, you know, media stopped talking about Afghanistan until recently. Yeah. I will not hear any... It's almost like America did not know that soldiers and Marines and, you know, other branches were still fighting. To them, the war was over years ago. So they don't understand if you tell them, hey, no, the war in Afghanistan is over. There's people that's not ready to fight. They need to be better prepared, better equipped, you know, more stable. They're not going to listen to you. Because to them, if it's not in social media and 
in, in, in TV or in the news or whatever being talked about, it's not an issue no more. Yeah, they're so far removed from what's happening over there. Except that yeah. political aspect of, the, of you know of media, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that had to be political. You're not talking about the war no more. Yeah, so- and they probably say they probably say something. America's tired of listening about the war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, one question about there was a I believe it was a there was a base uh, like Bagram Air Base. I believe it was, and there's a there was a prisoner camp with five thousand uh, prisoners in there. Could you do you have any idea about what kind of was that all Taliban or were those Al Qaeda fighters or? Look, to be honest, I do not know the details. Yeah. Um, I know I know sometimes you know, like the depending what era of the war you was in, we call them different. Yeah. But I'm just going to sound ignorant to the rest of the people, and I'm going to say old school, you know, prisoners of war. Yeah. Because yeah. then I guess after a while we were in Iraq, it was enemy combatants, <laughs> enemy captured combatants or something like that. Yeah. Or they switched it to the pink guys or whatever the fuck, you know, because we don't want to hurt the feelings of the people that we just caught, <laughs> I guess, you know, yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, I don't want to get canceled. He don't get canceled for what I just said. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cancel society. Whatever. Anyways, the I cannot... I don't recall too much of prison system in yeah. Bagram. But Bagram was the biggest camp we had, the biggest base we had. Yeah. And because the reason why I don't recall is because maybe I flew in to take Prisoners of war, maybe once or twice, or drove drove them or whatever once or twice. Um, because yeah. mainly we just go to the, to the closest base, and they'll take them from there, or we just take it to our home um, five, and they'll take it from there. So, where do they take them? I don't fucking know. Yeah. So, I, 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 yeah. I honestly cannot tell, but I do know that that Bagram had the the biggest contingency of you know base of everything. So. Most likely, yeah, there was probably a big number of, you know, prisoners in the yeah. room. Yeah, and then also, like, uh, a lot of the towns, a lot of these, uh, I guess, the enemy, uh, whatever name they went by at that time, uh, were most of them, like, local bred from Afghanistan, or did you experience any, many of the foreign no. fighters? It, it was... Um, foreign fighters. Of course, you know, when you're getting shot or you're shooting back, you don't care if it's the Chesky and the Chinese, the Russians, or, yeah. you know, whatever. You're not going to sit there and be like, hey, what are you guys? You know? Yeah. Um, a lot uh, towards the end, you know, we got a lot of situations that were foreign fighters. Kind of the same thing is, is in, in Iraq there was foreign fighters, you know, the yep. people that they got from other countries that were they had the same beliefs and them came to fight us. They didn't go too well for them, you know, of course, you know, I don't recommend nobody fighting us. Um but uh like I think maybe sometimes we caught some people that were from Yemen, uh Pakistan. Yeah, but you know, I, I think somebody had told me from 2-5 that they had people that were from the Philippines, from the uh, the group Abu Sayyaf or MILF that went to fight them. 
Yeah. That name always was funny to me in every briefing. Every time they said MILF, we were on the Philippines and, you know, we got to watch out for MILF. It was like the funniest thing to me. <laughs> like, are you serious? There's a, there's a group with that name? Did somebody tell them what that means? You know? <laughs> but, but yeah, for people that don't know, there is a group in the Philippines called the MILF. I'm just going to leave it like that. But, um, yeah, somebody had told me from two, three, I believe, that they have fought somebody. There were group from, from Philippines that showed up. And I was like, really? Sounds like a big freaking flight to come fight us and shit when they can just yeah. go down the street and fight us over there. So the, the main thing is that realistically, the idea of fighting, you know, um, terrorism is it's not an ending war. The, the the situation of keeping those bases like Iraq, Afghanistan, and other bases around the world makes sense because we don't want to fight them at home. Yeah. We don't we do not want to fight these people at home, you know. We want to keep them, you know, kind of like far as buck, you know, fight us over here and don't don't get close to home. And I think the, the public is very naive about that. They think that these people would not hesitate to chop your fucking head off. You yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, most Americans are pretty sheltered. They don't realize, uh, you know, what actually happens in a war zone. Uh. Well, you know, uh, they took a lot of the media from the, what's it called? Uh, when ISIS took over Iraq, right? Yeah, was that? So the caliphate situation. Yeah, the, the caliphate situation where they try to, you know, you have to go back yeah. to history. Like caliphate was all the countries that belong to, to, the, to the Muslim during the time of, like the before the crusade. Yeah, so, and that went all the way, like half of Africa, um, I think Spain, uh, you know, Oh, they had like half of the world, pretty much, to be honest, or the known world, however you want to call it. Yeah. And so the, the 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 ISIS believed that they wanted the caliphate to have every country that belonged to them before whatever, so they was gonna take it. Yeah. So the scary part was, you know, the Iraq troops. You know, they were not a lot of them surrender, right? Yeah, because I guess you were told, "Oh, surrender. We're not gonna, you know, do anything to you. You know, it's like you're just gonna, we're just gonna let you go, or, or just join us, or you know, what I'm saying just don't fight us." Yeah. Then we saw a massive amount of formal soldiers, you know, or from from Iraq being executed. Thousands of the time, you know, this is. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still kind of like, you know, because of the, how you call it, it is so, so fucked up. You know, we left them, we didn't help them. Yeah. Um, and we just left them there to die, basically. And these people, you know, they didn't have nowhere to run because everybody closed their both their borders, and. and that's what's happening today in Afghanistan, huh? And it's by uh, yep. religious extremists once again, because if I believe correctly, the Taliban wants Sharia law 
If I'm uh, yes. they, they want all the women to cover their faces and to stay at home and essentially take away all their rights. If I'm, if I remember correctly, you know, everything's so powerful, and the the what it, what what we're gonna see is gonna happen in, in Afghanistan a few in the next few months. I believe the media is either is either gonna ignore it they're probably gonna tell to ignore it they're gonna shut it down or whatever and then you know if somebody puts something on facebook it's gonna be like oh you know a fact check from somebody that never even been at war you know some dumbass fucking nerd that yeah you know it's like i think i got fact checked for my name once i'm like i was gonna say uh (laughs) a really you know my normal way to talking but i was like how the hell are you gonna tell me what my name is how can you even fact check me? Which I know what my name is since I was maybe a year old. You know, <laughs> like that—that's how stupid this is. It's like kind of like, in a way, we in a society nowadays that people don't want to, no, don't want to know the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes reality is is horrible. It's fucking disgusting. Um, you know, it's heartless. It's whatever you want to call it. You know, it's very, very very fucked up, you know, shit, for lack of intelligent word to say it. And um, we're going to see probably at the beginning a lot of beheadings. A lot of, you know, damn, and, and I'm sitting here and think like, shit, some of these people helped me. Some of these people yeah. helped one of my, help my brothers. Yeah. Shit, like, I, I saw, I I saw a, a meme another uh, uh, the day, I think the other day, I, I, it was kind of funny. But I also felt like kind of wrong about it because it's like, you know, he said, oh, I think I gave that fucker a pen 15 years ago, you know, because <laughs> the little kids, you know, they were asking for a pen or, yeah. wow, or cupcakes or whatever it was. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Mister. Yeah, you know, kind of remembering stuff like that. But it's like, uh, you, know, you know, also they kind of those kids. Exactly. And I remember one of the things I did this morning, I think I wrote, to the guys on one five, if anybody had a, um, I'm not gonna say his name online, but the name of our church. Yeah. Anybody has contact with this guy? I knew he had been in America a few times, and his father was a uh, was a mujahideen by the guys trained by us during the Russian uh, Russian uh, yeah. Russian Afghan War. You know, so his father was a warrior, and he grew up, you know, watching his father fight the Russians with American support. And then when the Afghan war started, this guy went to fight. And I'm telling that this guy is the type of guy that we will trust with a weapon, you know? And he went to get Marines when they were injured, you know? And, and like the guy, we used to call him Rocky, you know? It was, yeah. uh, you know, it was, like, it was like like 10 Rockies, but you know, that guy. And uh, this guy was a beast, you know, it's like, Fuck, like, you know, this, and I remember sometimes sitting down and talking to the Afghan troops, and a lot of them believed in what they were doing. They believed that they wanted a better Afghanistan. They believed that they didn't see that Afghanistan probably was going to be a place like America, but, you know, right away, but they believed that by the time, you know, their grand, great grandchildren, they're probably going to have a better place to live, you know, that it was kind of before the existence of the original Taliban. Have you seen those pictures, how Afghanistan was before the Russians and the Taliban? It was a, it was a, 
beautiful country. You know, you see those pictures yeah. of Kabul in Kabul and Kandahar and those places. It was like, wow, you know, this place was actually good to go, you know, kind of like saying Casablanca or, you know, something like that or going to Turkey or whatever it is. And seeing all, all, all that destruction that was caused initially by them, because they cannot say, uh, you know, I know the naive Americans and um, I guess Democrats or whatever socialists are going to say, oh, you guys went over there and destroyed the country. No, that shit was already destroyed when we got there. Yeah, It was literally destroyed when we got there. It was only sand, rocks, and people to fight. That's yeah. all it was. Afghanistan has a long history of you know, war. And it depends on, doesn't matter what country, but they're, Seems like they've constantly been fighting, and uh, oh, they, if they don't fight somebody, they fight themselves. So now we're gonna see a big fight from themselves. Um, I think I read something in Task Force Purpose that said that that the Al Qaeda could be growing up, you know, boosting up numbers and re, re you know, restarting again. And the way I see, you know, I don't think that's going to happen like like we perceive it's going to happen because if we have the Taliban Al Qaeda. ISIS was in the door, I guess, a few years ago. They were fighting the Taliban in Afghanistan. I don't see them uniting anytime soon. And we probably have a situation like Syria, a bunch of groups fighting each other. Yeah. The reality is that it's going to be they're going to be fighting each other and it's going to be very, very bloody. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to either help out. I don't know if it's it's going to be a contractor situation being sent. You know, no people. Contractors are not mercenaries. You know, give that movie bullshit out, out of your head, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it is. We already know. Sorry, not trying to insult your intelligence, but a lot of people they believe that if you're a contractor, you're literally a mercenary because the media just made them look like that. There's not. Um, you're probably gonna see like my cousin. Um, I, until yesterday, I thought my cousin was heading to Kuwait. Um, he told me he's not in the in the list. He's in 82nd Airborne, and the 82nd Airborne is gonna get flown into Kuwait for the processing of the people, the, the few people that we're going to be able to get out of it. Yeah. The, the, the little few. And well, it's going to be a wait and see, bro. You know, I, I, I haven't heard nothing coherent from the government. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... At all. And to be, yeah. and to be honest, I, ha- I haven't heard anything coherent. Oh, shit. Hold on a second. No part close. Hello? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, if, all right. Uh, I haven't heard anything coherent from the government maybe in the past 12 years. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I'm sorry to say it because, you know, people, maybe the way I talk, they'll be like, oh, he's a Republican or he's a Democrat. Oh, I live in Puerto Rico and I don't give a fuck who's the president. <laughs> Honestly, you know, we're we're considered the the how you call it the forgotten um the forgotten veterans us and the guys in Guam and stuff like that it's like kind of like people don't know that we exist or that we even are Americans. Yeah. But Jamal and everybody since before World War One, you know, <laughs> in American wars. So what we what we getting at is that 
We don't know what is going to happen and what is the government's going to do. I know it's a political move. What has to happen? I knew they had to pull out because we have China being very stupid aggressive. Yeah. And China they... is being very stupid aggressive. We have Russia on the other side. Yes, we need we, we do need it to pull. But the way that we pulled is what pisses, I guess, all of us off. Yeah. You know, that is the, the thing. Kind of like seeing the because we already knew that we we're waiting it out. You know, oh, it's fairly safe. The type of battle that is going on, the Afghan troops can handle it. No, it's kind of like uh, when you have a big brother that everybody's scared of, and you can go to the bar and anybody talk shit to anybody. Me, you know, nobody's gonna really fight you because your brother. That's pretty much the situation. The minute your brother is not is gone, you're on your own. Are you gonna fight the same way? Do you, you know? And that's. We saw that happening in Iraq. We saw that happening in Afghanistan. We saw that happening, was it 40 years ago in Vietnam? As soon as Big Brother left, they didn't even fight. Like, there's no, you know, I don't think there's no report of Afghan um, troops fighting uh, the Taliban right now. Yeah. The last last thing I I saw it was them fleeing. Yeah, I know that their president flew out of the country like as soon as Kabul started getting taken over. So, it's a sad situation right now. So, you know, somebody said, what if we go back to Afghanistan? I said, I doubt it. It could happen, but I don't see that happening. I don't see, I don't see them restarting a war now. Sending three thousand and plus troops into Afghanistan, I know our boys are going to be able to hold their, their their own. You know, they're they're Marines and they're soldiers. They, they know what to do. You know, I know how some people can be scared of me, but they're surrounded by millions. I'm like, yeah, they're still Marines and they're still soldiers. Don't don't get that twisted. They will they will fuck yeah. up the whole world themselves. But the it is still one of those dangerous situations that is like I know you can handle yourself or whatever, but it's too many of them. So I don't even want to think about the worst because if the worst will would have happened, it's like what what will our president say? Yeah. What is the excuse now? You know, and it's not only about him. It's like if it was Trump, um, President Trump. And you did that mistake. What you can say to the public, you know, you're sending three thousand troops plus whatever is already there. You know, I don't know if it's a total of ten thousand troops or something like that, or probably more, or probably less. I don't know the exact yeah. number. But surrounded by all that people, that is, you know, we're not the high call. Yeah. We 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 used like you say we're not scared. Everybody gets a little bit nervous, and you yeah. know, until the firefight starts. But the the fact is that it's still a situation that is hundreds to one. Yeah, and we're not, and we're now not they got, won't be solving any issues with uh with uh yeah ten thousand troops. 
Exactly. So you're letting those guys believe it that, that the Afghan troops, that another Afghan troops, that the Taliban, they're already they're already fucked up their promise, saying that they were not going to do certain things. So you we we're looking at it to believe in them that they're not going to try to attack our troops. So what happens if the people that are fleeing are being attacked by the Taliban? And we are Marines, and this is not our we. We need to protect these people. Yeah. Now what? You got what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's it's a, it's a lot of what ifs. It's a lot of what ifs, but it's a, anything can happen in a battle zone. And we are sending a bunch of you know men and women out there to risk their lives on a what if. It's Thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Republicans of Oregon podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Rumble. Please consider donating by visiting our website, youngrepublicansoforegon.org. The donations will pay for political trainings for our volunteers, travel expenses so we can spread our message across the U.S., and better tech equipment.